Amen. Amen. I'm so glad to have you. Uh, we're going to start a series this morning uh, called Choosing the Cross. Choosing the Cross. And this morning, we're going to talk about stumbling. And in 1960, uh, there was this ivory medieval cross that was found. And a guy uh, who was an assistant curator named Thomas Hoving at the Met Metropolitan Museum in New York acquired it. This medieval ivory cross. And the cross had five holes in it. And they studied it and they assumed and, and rightly predicted that likely it had an image of Jesus on it at one time. But it was lost in time and no one knew where it was. And, and so they put that in the Met. And years later, in 1969, the chairman of the exhibit just so happened to be visiting Norway in their Oslo Museum. And they happened to see this ivory Jesus, this little ivory Jesus, and it had five marks on it. And come to find out, it was the long-lost image of Christ that was supposed to be on this cross and had been in their museum for 30 years prior. And so they immediately, they realized the connection, it fit perfectly into the five holes of the cross uh, at the Metropolitan Museum. And now finally, after centuries... The artist's original design that having Jesus on the cross was realized. That's kind of a cool story. And I was thinking about that. Isn't it, is it the same today? Sometimes we've removed Jesus from the cross. We maybe have separated it unknowingly, uh, separated him unknowingly from the cross. And multiple times in Scripture, Jesus predicted his death on the cross, his suffering, his rejection, and his death. And yet every time the disciples failed to understand it, they failed to receive it, uh, and they failed to follow in it. And we're going to talk about that today. How do we as modern Christians stumble over the cross? How do we stumble over the cross? Even those of us who are following Christ, how do we stumble over the cross? Look with me in Mark chapter 8, verse 31. Mark chapter 8, verse 31. I'm reading from the New American Standard this morning. So here we have, by the Spirit, Peter has just confessed Christ as Lord. He just confessed Jesus as the Christ, as the Messiah, as the, as the Savior. And in Mark eight thirty one, Jesus uh, begins to teach. He says, He began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. So three things I want you to hold on to right now. Suffer is number one, rejected number two, and killed number three. Three things he's going to have to do. Then after three days, rise again. And he was stating the matter plainly. Turn to your neighbor and say, plainly. He was stating the matter plainly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning around and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. In another uh, gospel, he said, You are a stumbling block to me. For you are not setting your mind on God's interests, but man's. So Jesus isn't disguising it. He's plainly stating it. He says, I'm going to have to suffer. I'm going to have to be rejected, and I'm going to have to die. And he just, from the first time in this ministry, this journey with them, he said it plainly. And in that moment, there's this shock, this surprise. Like, wait, wait, what did you just say? Because here's the deal, I just signed, let's just put ourselves in that position, I just signed up to follow this guy, I left my wife, my kids at home, I left my job, where he goes, I'm going, I said I'm going to become a fisher of man with this guy, and 
He didn't tell me anything when I just signed up for it. He said, follow me, I'll make you a fisher of men. So I like fishing. It's a good thing. I want to follow this guy. He's a great preacher, a miracle worker. All right. But then here we are on the journey. He just says, hey, guess what? I know you guys are following me, but I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to be rejected, and I'm going to die. And you're going to be like, well, what? I don't know that I signed up for this, right? I mean, can you imagine this? Like, it's like one of those trips you get on. You're like, wait a minute, this isn't what I thought it was going to be, right? He's like, I'm going to suffer, die, and be rejected. And so here's the disciples looking to the right, looking to the left. I mean, like, wait, wait a minute. What did he just say? They're confused, but also they're confused because everything they'd ever heard before in Jewish uh, tradition said that this Messiah was going to be glorified. He was going to be powerful. He was going to be the man, y'all. He was going to have come down, take over the empires, rule the world, and everybody's going to bow down to him. He's going to be awesome. That's what they were on the board for. And yet he says, I'm going to die. And so Peter looks at him being the bold one. He's the guy that has a problem with his tongue sometimes. He steps up and he says, Lord, forbid it. God forbid it. This shall never happen to you. What that means is, Jesus, if, this has, if I can do anything about it, this isn't going to happen. I reject this. I'm not accepting it. And Peter, he stumbles over the cross saying, Jesus, you're too great. Jesus, you're too good to die. That word stumbling block in Scripture often means uh, like if you were to lead a blind person in Leviticus and they would fall down and you purposely let them to fall down or a stumbling block is just thinking of a rock that we trip over in the dark or maybe if you're a parent like me and you're tripping over your kids' Legos or things and not how many people have done that before, right? Yeah, they've left it out there on purpose in the evening, right? That's how that works. And it's a stumbling block to you and you fall. And to fall over this object means literally you would fall into sin. And so Jesus says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me, meaning that if I don't do this, I will go against the will of God. I will sin. If I don't suffer, if I don't get rejected, if I don't die, that will not be God's plan for this life of that I, he's called me to live. And so instead of Jesus stumbling, he says, Peter, you're in a turn. You're the one stumbling. The cross is this hard thing to swallow for Peter. So he rejects it. You know, I think today many, many people, even believers, we have a problem swallowing this message of the cross. Uh, We love that Jesus died on the cross and he died for our sins, but yet are we willing to follow him there? Because that's what this story is really all about. It's not about, yeah, we all want to get saved and don't go to hell, but it's literally about... Am I willing to follow this man, come what may, no matter what tomorrow brings, no matter what he goes through, I am going to stick on him like peanut butter. It's not going to come off. I'm going to be with this guy till the end. And Peter says, ah, let it not happen, Lord. So many today, Paul said in Galatians 5.11, he said, this message of the cross is offensive. Don't you notice that in the world today? Deny yourself. Take up your cross. Follow me. It's an offensive thing. It's like you're cussing if you would say it on the news today. If you talk about the cross, it would be offensive to the world. And that same true, uh, was true even for Peter in that moment. Paul would say later in 1 Corinthians 1, he said the cross would be a stumbling block to some. It would be foolishness to others. But to the faithful, it would be the power and wisdom of God. Amen. Uh, A.W. Tozer, he's a famous author and uh, Christian commentator. He said, The cross of popular evangelicalism is not the cross of the New Testament. It is rather a new and bright ornament upon the bosom of a self-assured and carnal Christianity. Whereas the old cross, it slew men. The new cross entertains them. 
Whew, man, that is harsh right there. Do we look at the cross today and say, man, is this something I'm willing to follow? How far am I willing to follow Christ? Yep, it's cool. We put it on our media backgrounds. It's on our screen today. We put it up on the, on the stand for Easter. A lot of us wear it around our necks. We'll put it on our Facebook profile picture and all that. And it's great, and it's this wonderful, beautiful thing. And we know that it's a get-out-of-hell free card for us. But yet the cross was not that message to these men. It was not a beautiful object. It was an object and a symbol of death. And it was on the road of suffering and rejection. And they said, can I follow this man? Is it something that is within me to do? Is it possible for me to go the route this man is going to go? And many had followed Jesus because of his miracles. But Jesus said to them, there was a price to pay for my discipleship. For being my disciple. Look at Mark 8, 34, just the next verse down. So Jesus, seeing Peter stumble over his own words, uh, having a problem swallowing this, and he looks at them and he looks what is happening. He sees his disciples looking at one another, having a questioning moment. And there, Peter, here he's saying everything that everybody was thinking. And so Jesus looks to them and to the crowd. He says, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself Take up his cross and follow me. The very popular verse we all know. But whoever wishes to save his life or his soul will lose it. Whatever loses his life or his soul for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit? What does it benefit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? What will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father and with the holy angels. I want you to, today we're going to talk about three things from three different ways. One is, Satan has given three excuses for you to not follow the cross. Jesus said three things. He said, I'm going to suffer, I'm going to be rejected, and I'm going to die. Those three things. And he tells the disciples, he says what? You've got to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Three things from three different perspectives. Satan says three things. We're going to look at it in a second. Jesus says three things he's got to do, and he tells his disciples there's three things you've got to do. But the question for all of us today is this. What is the cross to you? Is it a road map or is it a stumbling block? Is it a pathway to redemption and following Christ? Or is it the, the, the thing that's going to prevent me from going any further? And how do I receive the cross today? Let me give you the first point is this. He says, deny self. Let's look at that just a little bit deeper this morning. Deny self. And for Jesus, his point is, I'm going to endure suffering. I'm calling you to deny yourself. You know, in the garden, let's go back to Genesis. In the garden, Satan comes to Eve. And what does he say to her? In a, in a sense, in, in Genesis chapter 3, he comes to her and he asks this really weird question. And he, it's not even a, he had a, a, a scheme in it all. And you can see it very plainly today, but she didn't get it at the moment. He comes to her and God has given this lush, beautiful garden. And everything in there is for man's dominion except for what? One tree, right? One tree with one fruit on the knowledge of good and evil. That, that tree. And so Satan comes to Eve and he says, Hey, Eve, has God just not let you enjoy anything? Is, is, is everything off limits for you? He looks to her and he says, can't, uh, Has God said, can't you enjoy any fruit, anything? Has God said you ha- can't have any of this stuff? And she says, well, no. God says this is all we can have except for one thing. So he begins to put that temptation in her and say, 
isn't God kind of a harsh God? Isn't God a God that doesn't let you have fun? Isn't God a God that prevents you from doing good things and and having to live a life that you are meant to enjoy? And why would God put things on this earth for you not to do, right? Isn't it all open for us to have and enjoy? Isn't everything on this earth good and pleasing to you? Why not? Why not go out there and live it up? That's what he's saying to her. And, and, and we look at this, and the same message is here today. Doesn't become a Christian, doesn't that just stifle your life a little bit? Doesn't become a Christian just put things in your life off limits? Doesn't becoming a Christian have too many no's and not enough yeses in it? It's not a fun road. That's what he's saying to so many people. That, who wants to become a Christian? Who wants to live a boring, dull life, right? Who wants to kind of, you know, say no and you can't go to the bars anymore and you can't listen to that music anymore and you can't wear this, you can't wear that, you can't watch. And that's all the world hears because that's what the devil is doing still today, right? Is that not true? That's what they think about Christianity But what does it mean? Jesus says, deny self. I'm going to endure some suffering. You deny yourself. What does deny self mean? Does it mean you can't do all this? Does it mean, hey, here's all the no's and here's all the yes's? No, denying yourself simply means this. It's not about missing activities. It's not about giving up things. That might come. But simply to deny yourself is not what we would call self-denial. It means surrendering ourselves to obey His will. I'm going to give you the what, why, and how on each of these things. The what is surrendering to His will. What is denying of self? Surrendering to His will. And for Jesus in that moment, He said, for me to surrender to my Father's will, for me to obey my Father's will, means I'm going to have to endure some suffering. And I'm willing to go at that road. I'm just to uh, follow His will. I'm willing to endure suffering. Why? Why would He need to do that? Scripture says that Jesus' suffering was necessary. Why was his suffering necessary? Hebrews 10, 32 gives us the answer. It says that although Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience. Everybody say obedience. obedience. Jesus, the son of God, listen, learned obedience from the things which he suffered. What does that mean? He's God. He's God in the flesh, God, God's son. But it says he learned obedience from the things he suffered. In 1 Peter Peter writing years later, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 21, says that he suffered for you and he left you an example to follow. And Paul would pick it up later in 2 Timothy and he said, Timothy, I've suffered hardship, even imprisonment. I've endured all things. Why? For the sake of God's people so they can obtain salvation. Jesus wanted us to have an example to follow. He was showing you and I today that even if God, a good, loving Father, says, go this road with me, Jesus says, I'll go where you go. Say what you say. That's our cry today. That's what the denying of self means. God, it doesn't matter if it looks good or looks bad. Lord, if it's your will, let your will be done. I'm going the road you've got paved for me. Somebody say amen. Amen. So how? How does someone endure that? What kind of a God says, go this route of suffering? How do we do, how do we take that on? Nobody likes to endure anything bad. Nobody likes defeat or anguish or grief. Nobody likes pain. But Scripture says that while suffering for righteousness, Jesus uttered no threats. He kept his mouth shut, and he kept entrusting himself to God, who judges rightly. In the wilderness, Satan had already tempted Jesus to deny his suffering. Satan had come to Jesus on that 40 days, 
And he said, why don't you just miss the purpose of God? Why don't you just give this up and find this easy way out? And no doubt today when Satan comes to earth, us and say, you think this Christian world's a little hard? Don't you think it's a little bit too much? Isn't there better things out there? Isn't there some good things to be had? Shouldn't you go to see those movies? That, shouldn't you just go to do that thing? Shouldn't you hang around with those people? Shouldn't you just be able to live it up a little bit, take a break, take a load off? You don't have to pray so much. You don't have to read your Bible. You don't have to fast. Why don't you just go out and enjoy life? That's where God is good, and that's where you can live it up and, and have a good time. But what if God was saying, let me do something greater in your life. Let me show you how faithful I am to my plan. And if you read the book of First Peter, Peter comes out and through these years of learning with Christ, he finds out something about suffering. And again, nobody likes to endure suffering, and this isn't a popular message. This isn't the message that sells books. This isn't the message that gets mega millions, and it's not the message that fills so many churches. Peter would learn that suffering, number one, helps us to obey and trust God. In 1 Peter 4, 1, he says suffering helps us cease from sin. In chapter 3, verse 14, he says suffering gives us the blessing of God. And in chapter 5, he says that suffering will help you focus on the glory of God. And suffering even binds us together as a community of believers. The persecuted church was the fastest growing church in the world. And so there's something, God does something good through our suffering. Again, it's not a popular message, but Jesus says, if I'm going to endure suffering for you, would you obey God's will at any cost? Think about it, church. Jesus endured suffering. The Son of God endured suffering for me. He says to you, would you deny yourself? Would you take on this road with me? Would you follow me at any cost? Would you keep on moving forward? Come what may, no matter how it looks, even in the midst of suffering, why? Because in 2 Corinthians 1.5, it says that if we suffer for Christ and His gospel, we're promised the comfort of Christ. And Paul later learned in Romans 8, he says, nothing we could ever go through will compare to the glory He will reveal to us. God's got glory in store for you. So He says, deny yourself with me. Then He says what? Take up your cross. Take it up. He says, I'm going to endure rejection. I'm calling you to take it up. What does Satan say to Eve? Satan tempted Eve. She said, you know, surely you're not going to die. Maybe the, maybe the word of God is wrong. Maybe there's another option here. Maybe you should try this out yourself. Go your own way. Take up your own ideas. Take up your own opinions. Decide for yourself what is good and what is bad. You hear this much today in the world? It's the same lie. Jesus is saying, I'm going to endure this cross. I'm going to endure rejection by men. So I'm calling you to take something up with me. And Satan's like, mm, maybe you should make up your own mind about what is good and bad, what is good and evil. There's a lot of things we take up in this world today. We take up uh, swimming. We can take up golf. We can take up dance. We can take up all kinds of hobbies in this world. Today. But what does it mean to take up our cross what does it mean to take up our cross? In the Roman times, uh, a cross was a symbol of something. It, one, it was a symbol of death. But in a sense, if you would go back in the days where Rome was really purging out of Israel of all the zealots, all the, all the passionate patriots were being killed, and there was a great internal struggle going on. If you were to go out and, and line the highway, you would see on the hills, you would see multiple men hanging and corpses hanging on this cross, even bloodstained crosses still there. And what was that a sign of? 
It was a sign to say, this man is a traitor. This man is a thief. This man is a criminal. And all of it together, if you would keep walking and you're following this road and you would see a cross and a cross and a cross, those, each cross says one thing. It says, do not go this way. Do not follow this man. He is an outcast. He is a rebel. He is a traitor. He's no good. That cross stands there in front of all of us today and says, this is not the way to go. This is not the way to go. Do not follow that man. And what does Jesus do in such uh, wonderful parallelism that he, he does in his scripture? What does he say? He says, but this is what I'm saying to you. While man says, don't follow him, I'm saying, take it up with me. Follow me as I follow my Father in heaven. So when it stands true today, the whole world is saying to everyone around us, do not follow that man. And Jesus says to his disciples, take it up. Are you going to take it up with me? While the whole world might be against me, Matthew 10, 22 says, you're going to be hated by all because of what? my name. But it's the one who endures to the end who will be saved. Are we today willing to take on a hated name? To take on a name where the whole world says, don't follow that person, don't follow that person, because they're following a heretic, a lunatic, a crazy man who maybe never even existed. Who, who can prove that he is what he says he is? Everyone makes a mockery of him and all of his word. And Jesus says, but would you take it up? Anyway, Jesus, the great Son of God, the great King of kings and Lord of lords, would endure rejection by all of men. And why should I go this way? Why should I go this way when I'm going to be rejected by society, condemned by others? And in that moment, it's so easy to feel alone. It's easy to feel abandoned by God. I can tell you this from experience. There's uh, a time where I was on, uh, working in a, in a secular uh, job. And I remember being there, and I was surrounded by many, many uh, liberal atheists, and just standing there, just giving my opinion when they would ask me on Scripture, or even speaking in tongues, or creation, or abortion, and it was like, you're the only person on the planet who thinks this way. And I actually had one person tell me, he said, you're the first person I've ever met who believes God created the world. How do you even believe that? How is that even conceivable? Haven't you read a textbook? Haven't you read a science book? Don't you know that no one believes this stuff? It's a kid's story. Take it up. One commentator says it this way. He says, faithful discipleship and persecution, it depends on one thing. Seeing circumstances from God's perspective rather than in terms of your human cost. I've got to see through God's eternal perspective. Why, why, God, would you tell me to endure suffering? Why, God, would you tell me to endure rejection? After all, aren't I your child? That's what modern Christianity is teaching today. You're good. You're awesome. You're worthy. God's going to lift you up. God's going to build you up. God's going to give you everything of your dreams. Yes, that's true. But it may come after rejection and suffering and death. But God would say to you and I today, Matthew 5, 10, Blessed are those who've been persecuted for the sake of righteousness. Why? For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Do I have an eternal perspective? That's the why. 
and the how that I get through this? How do I completely surrender myself to this fearful task? How do I lay myself down and, and take on this model of Christianity? How do I take on a Christianity that's going to be rejected? How do I take on a Christianity that's going to suffer sometimes? One man, Samuel Rutherford, wrote, he said, The cross of Christ is the sweetest burden that I ever bore. It is such a burden as wings are to a bird, as sails are to a ship. It carries me forward to my harbor. Isn't that good? The cross of Christ is the sweetest burden I've ever bore. It's such a burden as wings are to a bird, sails are to a ship. It carries me forward to my harbor. The cross for us is not what it is to the world. We fix our eyes on Jesus, who for the joy set before him endured his cross. He despised the shame of it, but he knew he would sit down at the right hand of the throne of God. An author of Hebrews says, well, so consider him. He endured it. He endured that hostility so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Paul would say, you may be persecuted, but you'll not be forsaken. You may be struck down, but you'll never be destroyed. That's good news. You can be struck down, but you'll never be destroyed. That's how all of these men would end their, when they ended their life, they would, they would welcome that death because they knew it was the door into their father's arms. Acts 5.41 would tell us that, man, these, these 12 guys who struggled on the cross, they struggled to swallow it. In Acts 5.41, they went on their way from the presence of the Jerusalem council. They rejoiced they had been considered worthy to suffer shame for his name. You think, this is so backwards for modern Christianity. Do I see shame as something worthy? Do I see suffering as something worthy? Nobody wants to do this stuff. But how many rejoice at rejection today? How many people are yet seeking acceptance by the world, even in the church and pastors and churches seeking acceptance by the world? Let us do whatever the world is doing. Let us be just like the world. Let's be a friend of sinners. Wasn't Jesus a friend of sinners? And I'd say, yes, he was. He was a friend of sinners, and he was down in the dirt with them, and he would be in their smelliness, and he would take on their uncleanliness, and he would touch them, and he would be with them, and he would speak to them and love them and embrace them. And then he would ask them something. Take up your cross, follow me, or you're not worthy of me. It's, it's not just one or the other. It is saying, yes, we love the world, we're in the world, but yet we're not of it. We're loving them, but we're, Jesus only is accepting those of us who say, yes, Lord, I'll deny myself, I'll take up my cross, and I'll follow you. Following Jesus, what does that mean? He says, deny yourself because I'm going to endure suffering. And take up your cross, I'm going to endure rejection. And he says, follow me, I'm going to endure death. And lastly, Satan comes to Eve that, that time in the garden. And what does he say to her? That, that third lie that goes with this third call of Christ. He comes to Eve and he says, you know, he's already told her, he said, maybe that's not really what's going to happen. Maybe that's not really what God said. Maybe you should choose your own way. And hasn't God said you should enjoy everything? Why would God put limits and restrictions on you? And he comes to her and he says, what? You surely will not die. Isn't that what he said? Surely you won't die. Reject death. Live it up a little while. Enjoy life for a little bit because you're only here for a little while. That's what the world is saying and hearing today. There's, you, you don't have to die. Forget about hell. Forget about the afterlife. Let's not talk about death. Why do you need to go to a funeral? That's just sad stuff. Why don't you just live it up a little bit longer? 
because surely you're not going to die forever. Surely you don't have to put on death. Let's not talk about that. But in the same moment, Peter would come up and the devil would impress upon Peter the same ideas that are carnal to our flesh. He would say to Jesus, Jesus, surely you don't have to die. Why don't you just reject death, Jesus? Choose a better path, one that's going to lift you up without death. Friend, there is no path in the glory of God that's going to lift you up without the death of self. If we want to come to a church and be built up and feel good and feel the Holy Spirit move, it's only coming because a church has got on its knees and said, Lord, I surrender all to you. That's the lifting up. The Bible says, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up, not us. And Peter says, Jesus, don't worry about dying. You're the son of God. You're so great. You're the great I am. You're the Christ Messiah. No one can harm you. Lift yourself up. Be glorified. And he says, no, Peter, I've got to die first. And then he looks to his disciples and says, you too, follow me. Follow me. Would you endure death with me? E.M. Bounds said it this way. He said, all God's plans have the mark of the cross on them. All of God's plans have death to self in them. Why? Because Jesus understood that this carnal, evil, fleshly hunk of this, this flesh, this mind, this heart, these hands, these feet, all of the will of this nature, this evil person that Heath Harris naturally is without God, has to subject to the will of God. I, all of me, if I would allow any part of me to rule myself, it would always end in disaster. Jesus knew that sin was so innate to the human form He said that we, if you want to follow God's will, if you want to experience His glory, if you want to be lifted up, you've got to boast in the cross, like Paul said. Paul said that he was, the cross was dead, that that the world was crucified to him, and he was crucified to the world through the cross. And he would say in Galatians 2.20 that he no longer lived, but it was Christ who lived within him, because why? He was crucified with Christ on a daily basis. The Christian life is a crucified one. Why? Because as Jesus marched toward the total annihilation of sin and death so that we might live, why should I do this? Is this the road of Christianity I've signed up for? Peter would tell us that he bore our sins in his body on the cross that we might die to sin and live to righteousness, for by his wounds you are healed. And if you die with him, Paul says you'll live with him. If you endure with him, you'll reign with him. But if you deny him, if you stumble over the cross, if you stumble over this journey that Christ has all called us to, he'll deny us. Each day along the way, God has given us His Holy Spirit. Paul tells us in Galatians, how do I do this, Pastor Heath? How do I live a life that's going to take me through suffering and rejection and the death of all myself and all my wills? The Bible says that if we let sin reign in us, that we're not going to be following the Spirit, but the Spirit is contrary to the flesh. And if we live in the Spirit, Paul says, let us uh, walk in the Spirit. That each day, God is giving you and I a choice, a choice to die to self, died to the flesh, that knowing that if I continually die with him, 
I will live forever with him. This is the good news of the cross, that each day I can listen. Holy Spirit, what are you saying? Holy Spirit, is this a good thing to do? Holy Spirit, did I say that right or wrong? Holy Spirit, guide me. Order my steps, Lord. Let me know what your will is each day for my life. Who should I talk to? Where should I go? What job should I have? Who should I marry? Lord, should I purchase this item or not? Each day, it is that simple. The Holy Spirit now lives within you because of his life and his suffering and his death. His resurrection now, you and I can say, God, every day, Lord, let me choose to follow you. I want to be on the right road of Christianity. I don't want to make up a man's version of his, his, his cross. I don't want to make up a man's version of a religion and say, this is all about my blessing. It's all, and and all, all that's true. I, God wants to bless you, prosper you. He wants to favor you. He wants to, you to be in glory and paradise with him for all of eternity. But it comes at a price for us. Because of the evil of our flesh, it says, would you deny yourself? Would you take up this man's rejection? Would you endure the death of self that you might live with him in glory? At the end of his life, and I close with this, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 8, Peter found out, as an old man, he realized, Christ will either be your cornerstone or your stumbling block. He'll either be your cornerstone or he'll be that rock of offense. Church, where are we going today? Where is this Christian journey taking you? Each of these men would take on this challenge by Christ. It wasn't an easy one, and they often fell. They often struggled. But they would take it on. Each one of these 11 men that remained would all joyfully welcome suffering, rejection, and death for the glory of God. And today, all of those men are seated at the right hand of the Father, reigning and ruling with Him. That's your promise today. It's a good news to us. It's the power of God for salvation. But to the world, it's foolishness. It's an offensive thing because it calls self to die. Would you bow your heads this morning? Worship team, would you come? Christian, where are you at today? What road are you on? What journey is set before you? Is it one all of privilege? Is it one all of goodness? Is it one all of no pain, no suffering? Is it one of any denial? Is it one any time does your flesh get to t- be told no? Are we in the business of telling our flesh no? Are we in the business of understanding the world may not like me? Everyone may not embrace me, but I'm going to embrace everyone. There stands a roadblock before all of us in this room, and it's the cross. And the only men and women who can pass forward past the cross are those who would kneel at it and say, Lord, I give up my life to follow your will. I surrender my all, God, to gain everything. That I die, Lord, that I might live. What road are you on today? Christian, have you been on a road of self? Christian, have you thought you were on a road of only blessing? God wants to bless you, but it's going to come through the cross.